episode number 57 of the Healthier Life Through Menopause podcast. Hi, I hope you're doing well. I've been really looking forward to this episode because I finally get to share with you my insights from wearing a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor for two weeks. So a few weeks ago, I started a program with Zoe. If you don't know about Zoe, it's a personalized nutrition program run by top scientists, one of whom is Dr. Tim Spector. You may have heard of him. Anyway, they use data from the world's largest nutrition science study to give you personalized feedback about your blood sugar response, your blood fat response, and your gut microbiome, so that you can identify which foods work best for your body. Now, I don't get any commission from recommending them on this podcast, but if you would like to check them out, you can head over to joinzoe.com. I had heard about Zoe from listening to Dr. Spector being interviewed on various podcasts, and I'd also heard a lot about continuous blood glucose monitors and how they give such interesting insights into what food does to your blood sugar response, and I couldn't wait to try it for myself. So a few weeks ago, I received my Zoe box, attached my CGM to my arm, and got started. I already had quite a good idea about which foods might spike my blood sugar, but it was still a really fascinating experience and I did learn some new things which I'm going to share with you today. And yes, they were my own personal results, but a lot of what I could see happening to me will be the same for so many other perimenopausal women out there. So I can't wait to share with you my six insights into steps that you can take to keep your own blood sugar levels stable too. But before we get into the show, I just wanted to let you know that I do have some client spaces opening up for June and July. If you'd like to find out more about my health coaching programs and how working with a health coach can be such a transformational process to help you reach your health goals, whether that's managing your perimenopausal symptoms, kickstarting your weight loss, reducing your stress, learning how to eat better for your body, figuring out an exercise routine that works for you, whatever it is, then book your free discovery session with me right now. You can head to bit.ly slash callcatherine, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash callcatherine. And the discovery session is a 30 minute call with me, no strings attached, completely for free. Just a chance to learn more about what is involved in getting some private one-to-one personalized health coaching from a certified and experienced health coach that's me. I can't wait to connect with you, so book your free call right now at bit.ly slash callcatherine. I only take on a limited number of clients at a time, but as I said, I do have some spaces opening up in the next couple of months, and maybe one of those could be you. Okay, so let's find out more about CGMs and the six interesting things that I learned from my experience wearing one. But before we start, just a quick disclaimer as always. The information presented on this podcast is for educational and inspirational purposes only. Always consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet and lifestyle. Okay, with that said, let's dive into today's show. Hi, and welcome to the Healthier Life Through Menopause podcast a show where we talk all things perimenopause so that you can be informed and empowered with great tips and strategies to help you live a healthier life through menopause and beyond. Whether or not you choose to take HRT, 
I believe there's so much more we can do to support our health and well-being through our diet and lifestyle, and that it's when we're intentional about our health that we can find the energy, balance and joy that we need in order to flourish in a life we love. If you're looking to find ways to navigate your way through perimenopause with calmness and confidence, then you're in the right place. I'm Catherine Shelton. Let's get started. So firstly, what is a CGM? CGM stands for Continuous Glucose Monitor. It consists of a small device that usually fixes onto the back of your upper arm. This sensor has a very tiny needle that senses how much glucose is in the fluid under your skin, and it then relays this information via Bluetooth to an app that you download onto your phone. So anytime you want to check your blood glucose, that's your blood sugar levels, you can just check the app and you'll see a score as well as a little graph to show you how your glucose levels are fluctuating throughout the day. Now, here in the UK, we measure blood glucose in millimoles per litre. And in the US, it's usually measured in milligrams per deciliter. Now, your blood glucose levels will vary throughout the day, from your fasting glucose level first thing in the morning when you wake up, to normal rise up to two hours after you've eaten a meal. On the Zoe app, I was told that anything between a 4.0 and a 10.0 millimoles per litre, so that's 72 milligrams per deciliter up to 180 milligrams per deciliter, anything in between those ranges was in the green OK zone. However, I do feel that 10 millimoles per litre is actually quite high, and Diabetes UK recommends an upper target of 7.8 millimoles per litre for a non-diabetic adult and 8.5 or 9 if you have type 2 or type 1 diabetes respectively. So in milligrams per deciliter, a non-diabetic adult should be looking at a target up to two hours after a meal of no more than about 140 milligrams per deciliter. Now, I won't go into detail here about why it's so important to keep our blood sugar levels stable, because you can find out more about that in episode 53, Four Simple Steps to Balance Your Blood Sugar where I talk about why we need to be mindful of our blood sugar, especially as we hit perimenopause. I also talk about what insulin is and how insulin resistance can be adding to our menopausal weight gain. But in a nutshell, if you're spiking your blood sugar too high during the day, then you are at risk of damaging the cells in your blood vessels, which can increase your risk of heart attack and stroke. And over time, consistently high blood sugar spikes can lead to insulin resistance, weight gain, and an increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And besides, unregulated blood sugar can make you feel fatigued and hungry. Okay, so what did I learn while I was wearing my CGM? Well, firstly, it was fascinating to see what was happening to my blood sugar levels in real time. I'd obviously read about blood sugar spikes and dips, but now I could actually see it on my phone. Zoe encourages you to eat normally and log your usual meals for the first three days, and then use the rest of the two weeks that the CGM lasts to test out what different foods or different sequences of foods do to your blood sugar. 
Now, everyone is different and some foods may spike one person's blood sugar, but not someone else's. So it's really important to learn how your own body reacts to different foods. In fact, it's an exciting development in nutritional science and certainly this kind of personalised nutrition is going to be the future of healthcare. But having said that, the scientists at Zoe have analysed the data of so many individuals that they're able to draw some generalised conclusions, which is what I'm going to present to you today. So whilst these things were definitely true for me, they're probably also going to be true for you. So here we go with my six tips. Number one, eat protein with every meal or snack. So one of the tests that Zoe gets you to do is to have breakfast on one day that is just carbs. So you get to choose what that's going to be. And in my case, I chose a bowl of porridge oats made with just water. The next day you have a breakfast that is just protein. So in my case, I chose the handful of almonds. And then finally, on the third day, you have those two things together. So the porridge with the almonds. Now, when I ate just the porridge, there was a definite spike. Not a huge one because I do seem to have good blood sugar control in the mornings, but it was a spike nonetheless. Now, when I ate just the almonds, there was no spike. And then the following day, when I ate the almonds with the porridge, again, there was no spike which means that the presence of the protein in the almonds was able to slow the release of the glucose from the porridge, so much so that it barely registered. So this is tip number one, always have some kind of protein whenever you have a meal or a snack, ideally with it or just before. Now it doesn't have to be almonds, although something like nuts or peanut butter or hummus is really easy to reach for when you're having fruit or bread or something that is quite a carb heavy snack. Tip number two is to change the order of what you eat on your plate. Now, as we've seen, protein helps to dampen down the effects of the carbohydrate food on your blood sugar. And studies show that eating healthy fats such as avocado and extra virgin olive oil, as well as non-starchy vegetables such as lettuce, cucumbers, courgettes, can also have a similar effect of kind of lining the stomach, so to speak, so that the sugars are absorbed more slowly. So if you imagine having your plate of food in front of you, try to eat the salad first, then the protein, and then the pasta, bread or potatoes. And never be tempted to have dessert first or dessert on its own, however nice that might sound. Moving on to tip number three, which is do some movement after each meal. Now, this is also a test that we were asked to do on the Zoe program. And it was true, you could definitely see that eating the same food, but going for a walk after dinner on one day resulted in a much lower blood sugar spike than eating the same food the day before and just going to sit down in front of the TV. Now, it doesn't have to be a walk. It could be some light weights or exercises, but obviously nothing too strenuous because you have just eaten and you don't want to get indigestion. Tip number four is to reduce simple carbs. Now, simple carbs are those carbohydrates that tend to release sugar into your bloodstream very rapidly. 
They tend to be the more refined carbohydrates, so anything made with sugar or flour, such as bread, pasta, crackers, cookies, biscuits, cakes, sweets, bagels, donuts, muffins, ice cream, chocolate bars, and so on. I did know that simple carbs spiked your blood sugar but I wanted to see for myself. So one day I decided to have a very sugary day. In the afternoon, I let myself have a chocolate chip cookie, followed by pasta heavy meal for dinner, and then ice cream afterwards. And I watched my blood glucose level start to rocket up and down like a roller coaster. I think it actually went up to 9.8 at one point, which was really quite scary. I ended up grabbing my daughters and marching them off on a walk with me to try to get my blood glucose levels back down again as soon as possible. But what was also interesting was seeing how the spikes were also accompanied by extra dips. And at one point, it looked like it was going to dip below 4.0. And my sensor sent me a little warning that my blood glucose was going too low. And you could almost see the point at which my body started releasing more glucose back into my bloodstream to try to raise it back up again, which then, of course, triggered another spike. And so more insulin had to be released to get it back down again. And no wonder it's so hard to get off the blood sugar roller coaster once it started. So I just wanted you to be aware of what these simple, quick-releasing carbs can do. Now, it's not to say that we can never have cake or ice cream or white pasta or chocolate chip cookies, but it is best to do so in moderation and with some kind of healthy fats, protein or vegetables at the same time or just before. Tip number five is to be mindful of your blood sugar later in the day. So I think for me, this was my biggest takeaway personally. I could see that it was so much more difficult for me to manage my blood sugar later in the day than it was up to, say, around 2pm. And I could actually see this by noticing the differences between eating the same meal at dinner time and then eating that exact same meal the next day for lunch. In fact, generally, my daily graph seemed to show a fairly stable line throughout the morning going through lunch to about maybe three, four in the afternoon, and then starting to rise and fall towards the evening. And this seems to generally be true for many women in their 40s and beyond, that we do tend to be more insulin resistant later in the day. So certainly for me, I am going to try to avoid large amounts of carbohydrates or sugary foods for my evening meal. And if I want to eat that slice of birthday cake, then I know that the best time for me is mid-morning or lunch. And also, if I can start to build in a habit of a short walk after dinner, then I know personally that that's going to be really beneficial as well. And finally, tip number six, allow more time in between snacks and meals. So remember that big sugary day that I had? Well, one of the problems in the evening with all those blood sugar spikes was that there just wasn't enough time in between me eating the cookie and then the pasta and then the ice cream for my blood sugar levels to get down to normal, which meant that both the pasta and the ice cream spike were progressively higher and much higher than they needed to be. Hence my very panicky walk with my daughters after dinner. Now, we might have heard that it's good to graze all day to keep your blood sugar level stable, but that's not really true for most women. 
You see, our bodies need time to digest the food and to reset before the next lot of food comes in. Not just for avoiding blood sugar spikes, but also to give the body time to focus on other things that it needs to do, like cell repair and detoxification. Having said that, if you are a grazer, then you might want to cut back on the snacks very gradually to let your body get used to it and to be able to tune into your hunger cues better. In fact, you may have forgotten what it actually feels like to be hungry. So do do this gradually, otherwise you might be tempted to grab for high carb, high sugar foods when the going gets rough. But on the flip side of this, is also to be aware of what might happen if you actually skip a meal. Now, the pros and cons of fasting is a whole other topic and one that I certainly would have loved to explore if I'd had more time with my CGM. But it was interesting to notice what happened on the one day when I did a fast over lunch. So that was going from just a small breakfast in the morning right the way through to dinner in the evening without any snacks. As expected, the small breakfast, which was protein-rich, had no noticeable spike, and my blood sugar kept dropping very gradually throughout the day so that it was around 4.0 by dinner time. But then, when I had dinner, which I don't think was an unusually large amount or a particularly carb-heavy dinner, my blood sugar levels shot straight up. Now, like I said, I don't really know what to make of that, and this is just my own personal experience, but it has made me wonder that perhaps it might be better for me to break my fast with breakfast the next morning rather than break the fast with an evening meal. Or maybe to do a more time-restricted eating approach where I focus my meals into a shorter window of time in the middle of the day and then stop eating, say, around 4 or 5 p.m. Anyway, that is something that you might like to explore for yourself if you are interested in fasting or time-restricted eating. Okay, so just to recap, the six useful things that I learned from wearing a CGM were number one, eat protein with every meal or snack. Number two, change the order of what you eat on the plate. Number three, do some kind of movement after each meal. Number four, reduce simple carbs. Number five, be mindful of your blood sugar later in the day. And number six, allow more time in between snacks and meals. So I hope you found these tips helpful. Message me at hello at katherineshelton.com and let me know which of those six tips you might like to try for yourself. Or perhaps you've already had an experience of wearing a CGM. I would love to hear what you found out about your blood sugar responses and whether they were similar to mine. And don't forget, if you would like some coaching, accountability and support to help you manage your blood sugar levels so that you can finally start to lose weight and look after your body better, then book your free discovery call with me at bit.ly slash call Catherine. Yes, that's right. Go and do it now. Honestly, what have you got to lose? Other than the weight, of course. Seriously, I would love to hear from you. That's it for now. Take care and I will catch you next time. Hey, quickly, before you go, if this podcast has helped and inspired you in some way, then please jump over to your podcast provider and leave me an honest review. That way, more people can find this show and be inspired too. I personally read every single review and your feedback is so encouraging to me. 
The second way you can help get the word out is to take a quick screenshot of this episode or of your review and share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Katherine Shelton Coaching and I'll share it right back. Thank you so much. Until next time.